Hi, I'm Jeff Greenway, the pastor of Reynoldsburg United Methodist Church. You're listening to Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Bob Kaler, continuing our look at some of the talks that took place at the WCA Global Gathering on May 1st, 2021 at Fraser Memorial United Methodist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. And this time we're going to hear from Carolyn Moore, who was the chairwoman of the WCA Council and also pastor of Mosaic Church in Evans, Georgia. Many of you have heard Carolyn on our podcast before. You've heard her on her own podcast, which is called Art of Holiness, the many books that she's written. She always brings the Word of God in a unique and powerful way, and she does so again in this particular talk. So I hope that you'll give this a listen and then stick around for a little bit of an interview I did with Carolyn right after she spoke. do something kind of cheeky right now and start a talk to a room full of Methodists with a quote from a famous reformed pastor and theologian. I really wish one of you had said it so I could quote you instead because it's a pretty good line. He says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them. It's a good line, right? Opens up the creative pores, makes me ask, what are the 9,997 things God is doing around me right now that I'm not even aware of? What relationship is he repairing? What movement is he birthing? (laughs) What miracle is already in the works? Why if God is doing far more in my life and in yours and in the world around us and we're not even aware of it? What if we are missing the miracles because we are spending our prayer life asking God to make the sound system work? Come on. I need a pastor in the room to say amen. We're asking God to do whatever that thing is I want him to do so I can get on with my life. What if we are spending our time asking God for a better parking place in Walmart? God is ready to do 9,997 things you don't know anything about. So I'm thinking about this while I'm reading Paul in Acts chapter 16. That's where it will be if you want to find it in your Bible, Acts chapter 16. There's Paul sitting in a room in Troas, feeling it would make sense, some dejection. Things had not gone so well on this trip. Good ideas were met with contention. Doors were closing. It started, funny enough, with a simple suggestion that they go back and and visit the believers in all the towns where they'd started churches, where they'd already preached. I want you to remember that. And then they started to brainstorm about who they'd take with them. Barnabas thought they should take John Mark 
Paul didn't, and that discussion erupted into a huge blow-up. Can you even imagine? <laughs> John Mark is probably not all that thrilled to this day to know that his name has been associated for all eternity with the first recorded church split, but there it is. And we could spend a lot of time psychologizing the scene and deciding who was right and who was being ridiculous. But if we go down that road, we'll miss one of those 9,997 things God doesn't want us to miss, one of which is that the Holy Spirit directs the mission. You should write that down. The Holy Spirit directs the mission, not you. Will you turn to your neighbor right now and just say, not the Holy Spirit. Just turn to your neighbor. Yeah, I need you to say that out loud because for some of you it's a new thought. The Holy Spirit directs the mission, but Paul wanted to visit the believers, and as, as kind and responsible as that was, you don't get the sense that was the mission in the mind of the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen closely to the sound of spiritual doors closing in Acts chapter 16. Start with verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by whom? By the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed through Mysia and went on down to Troas. Do you hear it? I mean, for the lack of an open door, Paul is left to wonder what in the world God is up to. Here is this getter-done apostle trying to win one for the kingdom, begging for an opportunity to do what he does best. Meanwhile, there is God slamming every door that distracts Paul from the 9,997 other things God wants to do in the world. So slowly, the Holy Spirit nudges Paul toward the coast where he will finally be able to gaze across the Aegean Sea toward Macedonia and everything beyond and catch a glimpse of God's heart for the nations. Now I want you to hold that scene while we talk for a minute about spiritual doors. So cool that Crystal mentioned threshold in her talk because I've I want to talk about thresholds. Every door has a threshold, right? It's that, it's that point of entry at the bottom of a door that leads us from one room to the next. In spiritual terms, thresholds mark progress. They represent forward movement in our spiritual maturity. So it would make sense that it would be precisely at the thresholds that we experience the most pressure. And one of the more famous thresholds in our Wesleyan theology is that point of justification. That is a threshold. And we feel pressure there. After all, the enemy of your soul has a vested interest in keeping you from wanting to move forward. 
So my experience has been that when I approach a threshold that will take me from one level of intimacy with Christ to another deeper level or from one level of ministry to another level, I begin to encounter greater pressure. And right at the threshold itself, just before the breakthrough, that pressure can sometimes feel overwhelming. You know, there we are, waiting for the at the threshold of a new spiritual place, hearing God's invitation to come on in. Meanwhile, some devilish force is luring us backward, creating pressure against our progress. Thresholds, doorways, or maybe the biblical word is gate. That, that, that opening that invites us into a new spiritual room. They can be powerful. But they can also be painful. Do you hear me, church, on the verge of a breakthrough? Has it occurred to you, you're not in a pit, you're at a threshold. Barbara Yoder says, gates are where we win or lose. You should write that down, that is powerful to me. Gates are where we win or lose. That's why scripture uses gates as the place to be broken through. We must break through intimidation, faithlessness, fear, hopelessness, despair, or whatever else looms like an unconquerable foe. Yoder writes, the, the threshold is where we either cross over or hold back, opting to stay safe in our homes. But once we cross over, that's where we meet the incredible supernatural power of God to break breakthrough before us, victorious over every obstacle. It is after we leap that we begin to possess our inheritance for the current season. Let me say that again so you can write it down. It is after we leap that we begin to possess our inheritance for the current season. And there was Paul sitting at the coast of Troas, this threshold moment, being lured by the Holy Spirit through a doorway into Macedonia where he would begin to possess a revolutionary call to take the gospel beyond Asia and into the whole world. Look at Acts 16, verse 9. Paul is sitting in Troas trying to understand. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. That's so funny. Concluding that God had called us to preach the, good, the gospel to them. So that's so Paul, isn't it? Enneagram 8, type A guy. Now he sees the door. Now he has a mission and they are off and running. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul, like a spiritual battering ram, breaks down a door, steps over a threshold into a whole new spiritual territory. I don't know why he didn't see it coming. I mean, he'd already preveniently preached this moment, in Acts chapter 13, we find him battling the incessant complaints 
of religious people who are anxious over the mixing of races and the evangelization of foreigners. And Paul's response to them draws from Isaiah's word to the Israelites, reminding them that truth is not a private affair. You should write that down. He quotes from Isaiah 49. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This word steps us right up to a threshold, a doorway, because we're content, most of us, to nestle down inside our own salvation and be comfortable. But Paul won't have it. He needs us to hear the prophet's word as our call to, I will make you a light to the nations that my salvation might reach the ends of the earth. Isaiah says it's too light a thing that we should serve only us and ours, our own churches, our own salvation. It's too light a thing to think only about our own people, to keep feeding the ones who have already been preserved. Bishop Lindsay Davis used to warn the pastors in his charge not to spend their ministry pandering to the overchurched. <laughs> to the ends of the earth. Dr. Tim Tennant teaches us that the missionary task is bigger than we tend to give it credit for. It's not only teaching or preaching, as important as those tasks may be, or even discipling or training or even evangelizing. Dr. Tennant writes that it is when we see the church being planted cross-culturally from Troas to Macedonia, when the gospel crosses thresholds into new people groups, that's when we begin to glimpse the real missionary task. God is always stretching us toward the ends of the earth, toward the ones who don't yet know. And here's why. Because, listen to me, Tennant says, even if every Christian in the world became an evangelist and they witnessed to everybody they knew and everyone they knew became Christians and they themselves became evangelists, even after you had tremendous movement to Christ, all over the world, there would still be over a billion people who had never even heard the name of Jesus. Why? Because they had no friends or neighbors to evangelize them, to speak the word of God to them. So however vibrant the church's life may become in some parts of the world where the church is planted, however vivacious the people's ministry may be, however mature the church's growth, the world will not be reached. The Great Commission will not be fulfilled until people People cross cultural barriers and bring the gospel to those who have not heard it. I will make you a light to the nations 
that my salvation will reach to the ends of the earth. That's why the threshold moment in the life of Paul is so critical. There he stands at the far edge of the movement. And Paul, maybe the only follower of Jesus bold enough to do such a thing, opens the door to the gospel list. Why? Because if Jesus is not Christ for the whole world, he's not Christ for any of it. Let me say that so you can write it down. If he is not Christ for the whole world, he is not Christ for any of it. Come over here and help us. And so they went and they began to travel through Macedonia, stopping in Philippi. Look at Acts 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath, they went outside the city gate to the river. I want you to notice here, Paul has just walked through yet another gate, crossed another spiritual threshold, and I want you to listen to it. Listen, where we expected, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Theatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. What a glorious example this is of our thesis that God is always doing 10,000 things. Here is Paul opening the gospel door for Europe, and when he gets there, he finds himself evangelizing women. How bold! And down by that river, sharing the gospel with Lydia, Paul crosses yet another threshold. He finds himself back on the creation side of Genesis 3. And by that obedience, God opens the door for Lydia to join that fellowship of biblical women who dared to walk back into the Garden of Eden and claim their call to carry the good news to a lost and hurting world. So let's give God thanks together for Phoebe and Junia and Priscilla, a co-worker in Christ, for Mary and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis, all women, Paul said, who worked hard for the Lord. And let's give God thanks for Jessica and Nako and Lisi and Angela and Crystal and Elizabeth I have made you a light to the nations that my salvation might reach the ends of the earth. The first century church proved that when men and women worked together to build the kingdom of God, operating in freedom and in the power and giftedness of the Holy Spirit, the effects of the fall are reversed and the glories of the gospel are exposed. 
In this pandemic-ramaged, politic-heavy, crisis-carrying world we're in right now, where the doors seem to be closing in every direction, Paul has a word for the future global Methodist Church. Don't forget the Macedonians. Don't forget the ends of the earth. So a few weeks ago, I was in Florida for a funeral, and I had the chance to walk on the beach at sunrise. I was amazed at how, how busy it was on the beach at 6.30 in the morning. The beach full of people, all staring toward the horizon, waiting on the sun to break through. That morning, there was a dense fog, so there was the horizon, but the fog had kind of this created this band above the horizon, some distance above it. Can you picture that? And the thing with a sunrise like that is that to actually see the sun rise, you have to wait not only for the sun to break on the horizon, but also for it to rise above the fog. So we're all standing there, staring at the fog line, waiting for the sun to show up. And while I stood watching, I thought about us. You and me, waiting for the sun to show up. I thought about waiting for a sunrise to happen, for the day to finally dawn on the global Methodist church. And then I thought about that quote, God is always doing 10,000 things around us and we are aware of three of them. Now I wonder, what if we're waiting for something that has already happened? What if God has already placed his stamp on this vision, has already sent it forth into the world, like a sun that has already risen above the horizon, it just hasn't yet broken through the fog? And what if? While we're focused on the dawning of something God has already blessed to happen, he is off doing 9,997 things we're not even aware of yet. And just as I thought about that, I turned around. There's the fog and the horizon, all those people staring at it. And I turned around, and there was a door. It wasn't a physical door. But it was definitely an open door. It was actually rows upon rows of hotels. And I stepped back and I looked, and there were these people pointed toward the horizon, straining to see the sun that had already risen, just waiting to see it break over the fog, while behind them were rows upon rows of hotels filled with people, and it was spring break. So I know who was in those rooms, because I used to be one of them. <laughs> those are rooms full of people who must surely be starving, as I once was, for a better answer to life, and some of them perishing for lack of it. And I could literally hear the cry, come over to Macedonia and help us. So I stood there looking at the hotels and the fog, 
wondering, grieving how much time we have spent collectively, all of us, desperately staring toward a horizon, waiting for a sun that has, I believe it friends, already broken through, while a world of lost and hurting people are starving for a better answer. So be encouraged, friends. Don't focus on the fog. Focus on the door. Because God is always doing 10,000 things in the world, and right now, he is inviting us to step through a doorway to become a light to the nations, because the world is our parish, and the world is God's mission. Amen. So I've got Carolyn Moore here in the studio after her amazing talk to the WCA Global Gathering. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. <laughs> I, I, I was struck by what you had to say there because it, it just got me thinking about all the other things that I'm focused on that I don't see what God's doing. Right. I, and that's the whole point. It's, it's, you, can, you can become so hyper-focused and usually we become hyper-focused on the problem, right? And that's where we spend our energy and especially, I don't know about anybody else, but my mental energy is often trying to spend fixing it, you know, trying to fix the problem. Meanwhile, God's over here doing a ton of other things, opening a ton of other doors, offering me other options. I'm just don't have eyes to see him. So I really, that's why that quote really struck me when I first heard it. It just opens up all the spiritual pores. So, so who gave the quote? Because you, you said that, but you didn't mention the person's name. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to give the name because John Piper. John Piper. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so I didn't want to send anybody good off. Come out of reform. <laughs> yes. But you know what? He's he's a great Bible teacher. He's um he's he's qu he's quite a scholar. I just want to say that he's yeah. quite a scholar, and and there, he is quite a he's so missional in his thinking. So we chew the meat, we spit out the bones, yeah, right? Yeah. We're not reformed. Our, our theology is not reformed, but that quote's true no matter who you are, you right, know? Right. right. God's still doing things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there was just so much in what you said that, that had me spinning yeah. as, I was, as I was sitting there and I was mm. writing these things down. Gates are where we win or lose. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I would say I, I, I could have gone off and talked about that for another 30 minutes. Just to my to my friends in this movement, this moment is where we win or lose. It's where the pressure hits. That's that's your chance to get angry, to get bitter, to fly off the handle, to say things you wish you hadn't said or or to really listen to Paul when he says, take every thought captive. Uh, uh, Care for each other with gentleness, even even as he said to Titus, even when you have to rebuke, do it with gentleness, always gentleness and respect. And right now at this gate, at this threshold, I think it is so important that we hear 
what Paul would say to us is to care for how you walk through across this threshold so that you so that we do it with integrity and humility and, and deep care for people who may not agree with us, but who will still be in our world on the other side of this? Yeah, we we could cross over or we can go back. Yeah. And I think as I've been walking around over the last couple of days here, mm-hmm. I sense there's this idea of really wanting to cross over, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. also a sense of wanting to to not look back at all to where we've been, right. and we can drag so much stuff with us. Yeah, that anger that we tend to drag right. with us. Right, that that's something we need to leave behind. But right. but there's got to be something that we're looking forward to. What's been your What's been your sense as we've been here about crossing over this threshold? Mm-hmm. Where do you think we where, where do you think we are right now as as a movement? Because you're the chairwoman of the mm-hmm. council, mm-hmm. and um, and I I have to say personally what a what a spiritual mentor you've been mm. to me and to so many of us. Mm. We look up to you as someone who who leads us and guides us with this kind My of goodness. wisdom. What are you seeing right now? Well, I, I certainly. Um... I feel more like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. <laughs> um, and, and you've been in the room, Bob, when we've talked to uh, leaders in other tribes that have separated and, and have heard their warnings and their wisdom about how it was for them when it happened to them. And uh, one of the things that I think is just so important is, is not hanging on to the bitterness. And it's, and it's what I would say to our progressive friends. If we can manage to do this amicably, everyone has a better chance to heal on the other side. If we rip each other apart, you know, it's what Paul says, be careful you don't tear each other apart or you may kill each other in the process. However it is, Paul says that line. But, but um, so, so if we can, if we can, really all press in and work for that amicable separation, then we all have a much better chance on the other side of this, of, of, being, of, of, of entering the new thing whole and holy, rather than beat up and worn down. And so that would be my, that would be my great, listen folks, let's work hard at making this an amicable separation. I, this idea of waiting yeah has been difficult for so many yes and being patient in the midst of it and you said what if we're waiting for has already happened right and i got a sense as i was sitting in the legislative assembly yesterday we were talking about discipleship we're talking about church planting we're talking about those things yeah and it really struck me as i was sitting there and listening to the the discussion going back and forth we don't have to wait exactly for that stuff. Right. There's so many things we can pick up. So many visions have been laid out in front of us that are coordinated and that and that are and that are they're they're beautiful. It's a beautiful global vision that we have and so much of it is practical and applicable and we can start now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say that on on that other point, just, um, you know, that that what if the sun has already risen? I I think that there's something really hopeful in that thought. If If that is, if it is, only you have to test it with the Holy Spirit, but if that is a prophetic word, 
that God has already spoken this into existence. We don't have to push it anymore. You know, it's, it's a done deal. If that's true, then that also is something we can take back into our congregations. We can take back a non-anxious and hopeful presence. Listen, folks, let's just go ahead and be about the business of organizing ourselves toward the ends of the earth because the hard work has been done. The Holy Spirit will finish what he started. Yeah, we've, we've spent a lot of time on nuts and bolts organizing, building the framework. Right. And I was struck by what Bishop Kagei said yeah. about the fact that he was talking about Vetus bearing mm-hmm. the explorer. Mm-hmm. Right. And unfortunately, Bishop Kagei is not here in person, so I couldn't interview him right. afterwards. Because there was a lot in there that just, so much. Oh, that just my struck goodness. me, especially as you, as you have spoken after him. Uh-huh. You know, that, that Vetus Bering had to hike from St. Petersburg to the Pacific and then spend a year and a half building a boat right. to go to the next place. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and it struck me as he was speaking, we've been, we have a year and a half to continue building the boat. Right, right, right. And, and, uh, and, and, and the, if you build it, you know, it's, it's, it's the Noah thing, you know. It may not feel yet to you like rain, but if God has called you to build a boat, then you start building the boat and then watch. There was probably even two years ago, maybe, I, I got that image of the fist-sized cloud. You know, there's another thing. If you're, if you're watching for the 9,997 other things God might be doing, look toward the horizon and that fist-sized cloud. That's not a drenching cloud, but it's coming. But it's coming. You know, so start building your boat. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much for the time and and uh, for your words. I know they're going to be an encouragement to so many um, to don't focus on the fog, Yeah. but focus on the door. Right. And if Jesus is not Christ for the whole world, he is not Christ for any of it. And yeah. we believe that he is Christ yeah. for the whole world. Yes, so, he is. Yes, he is. So thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. And thank you for joining us here on Holy Conversations, the WCA podcast. Please leave us your comments or questions by emailing us at podcast at wesleyancovenant.org. Follow us on Twitter at WCA pod, and you can find all the information about the Wesleyan Covenant Association on our website at wesleyancovenant.org. Look forward to seeing you back here next time on the podcast. Have a great week.